So you're called down to the emergency department to admit this kiddo. Uh, the supervising resident says that mom said he has a high fever and a rash. You go down to the emergency department and you talk to mom. She says that he's had a five high fever for a few days. He's got this weird rash. His eyes are all red and he's got redness on his hands and feet. And his neck is kind of swollen too. So you're thinking about what the differential could be. Has he gotten into any new detergents? Is he eating any different foods? Has he been any around anybody that's sick? Uh, and then eventually you kind of work your way through and you think maybe it's Kawasaki disease. So Kawasaki disease, formerly known as infantile polyarteritis nerdosa or mucocutaneous lymph node syndrome, is an acute febrile illness of childhood. The highest incidence is in Asian children. This is a vasculitis with a predilection for coronary arteries. So the main things you got to worry about are if the kiddo has high fever, rash, conjunctivitis, inflammation of their mucous membranes, as well as erythematous induration of their hands and feet, and cervical adenopathy. The cause is really unknown at this point, but it's likely infectious origin. This happens more in early childhood. As I said before, it's increased in Asian kiddos, or kiddos of Asian descent, uh, most common during the second year of life. 80% happen in kids less than five, and boys are more commonly affected than girls. In terms of seasonality to it, it's more common in the winter and spring. There are some temporal clusters in the United States and Japan. The clinical features include a rash, fever, exanthem, conjunctival injection, cervical lymphadenopathy, which I said before. So fever has to be at least five days and has to have four of the five principal characteristics. So these principal characteristics or criteria include bilateral non-exudative conjunctival injection with limbal sparing, erythema of the oral or pharyngeal mucosa with strawberry tongue or red clack lips. So you guys remember from board questions, step one, step two, where they'll have that kid who's got that strawberry tongue and the red crack lips, and you always just go straight to Kawasaki disease. I want you to think about this if you have a kid that comes into the emergency department with that kind of presentation. Also look if they have uh, swelling or erythema of their hands and feet. If they have a rash that's either maculopapular, uh, multiforme, or scarlatiform in appearance, they'll also have non-supportive cervical lymphadenopathy. It could be unilateral with a node greater than 1.5 centimeters. Some other signs and symptoms to kind of consider as you're getting the history include diarrhea, arthralgias, arthritis, proteinuria, increased leukocytes in the urine sediment. You can also have a mild jaundice or a slight increase in serum transaminases as well as an aseptic meningitis. With respect to the pathology, so it's a medium-sized vessel vasculitis, so coronary arteries, popliteal and brachial arteries can develop dilation. Uh, They'll have an increased production of cytokines by T-cells and monocytes. The first phase in pathology is neutrophilic necrotizing arteritis that begins in the endothelium and moves through the coronary wall. The second phase is a subacute or chronic vasculitis driven by lymphocytes, plasma cells, and eosinophils. And the late phase is a myofibroblastic proliferation leading to stenosis of the vasculature. So all that's great, but you're evaluating this kidney in emergency department and you have to think about what labs you're going to order. So you think about getting a leukocyte count. Uh, you'd look for predominance of neutrophils in immature forms. You can also just, you know, get a CBC because that might evaluate a normocytic normochromic anemia. You can get an ESR and CRP. Those might be elevated. Uh, you could also have a slight decrease in uh, H&H, so your hemoglobin levels might be a little low. The other big thing to do if you suspect that the kid has Kawasaki's disease, you have to get a two-dimensional echo. This is going to be used to evaluate for coronary artery aneurysms. Echo should be done at diagnosis and again after two to three weeks of illness.
Another high-yield tip to just keep in mind is any infant that's less than six months with fevers greater than seven days with an elevated ESR, CRP, and no other explanation should get a two-dimensional FGO to evaluate for coronary artery aneurysms. Now, if you got an EKG, this could reveal a sinus tachycardia, a left ventricular hypertrophy, and it might also show nonspecific ST segment and T wave changes. Some things to keep in mind on your differential are whether or not the kid just has a viral upper respiratory infection with a rash, a pneumonia, a gastroenteritis, uh, strep pharyngitis, measles, Stevens-Johnson syndrome, or like mono, EBV infection. So these are things to also keep in mind. So just to review this part before we get into management, Kawasaki's disease is one of the most common vasculities of childhood. It's typically self-limited, they'll have fever and manifestations of acute inflammation, including non-exudative conjunctivitis, erythema of lips and oral mucosa, rash, cervical lymphadenopathy. These might not all present at the same time, but it's something that you need to keep aware of. They have this high fever for greater than five days, and you kind of have repeated histories and physical exam to make, an, to make a timely diagnosis. You don't need to do any lab evaluations other than that echo to evaluate the coronary arteries, but if you do a lab evaluation including CBC and uh, an ESR and CRP, that'll support this diagnosis. Okay, so let's get into management. So in acute management of Kawasaki disease, you're going to do 2 grams per kilo of IVIG and high-dose aspirin. That's 80 to 100 mg per kg per day divided Q6 hours within 10 days of disease onset. The dose of aspirin is decreased to 3 to 5 mg per kg per day after they've been afebrile for 48 hours. Now with respect to long-term management, you'll continue that aspirin 3 to 5 mg per kg per day once orally as well as clopidogrel 1 mg per kg per day, the max dose of 75 mg per day. You can also add warfarin or low molecular weight heparin if they're at high risk, risk of thrombosis. Uh, now if IVIG therapy fails, you can consider the use of corticosteroids. You do pulse doses of methylprednisolone at 30 mg per kg per dose for one to three days or infliximab for one infusion. All of these kiddos need to be admitted for treatment and initial management. Uh, eventually, you know, if you have rheumatologists on staff, they can be consulted, but a kid needs to be admitted for initial therapy. Okay, just for a recap, so Kawasaki disease, you'll have that high fever for greater than five days, you'll have a rash, conjunctivitis, inflammation of mucous membranes, uh, as well as cervical adenopathy. The cause is unknown, but it's likely due to infectious origin. It is a medium-sized artery vasculitis, so the coronary arteries are what we're looking for, and that's why we're going to do that echo, just to make sure that the kiddo doesn't have a coronary artery aneurysm. Management is with aspirin and IVIG, so the initial therapy is 2 grams per kg per day of IVIG and high-dose aspirin of 80 to 100 mg per kg per day divided by Q6. And then eventually, you know, you, after the IVIG, IVIG is discontinued, you continue aspirin at 3 to 5 mg per kg per day after they've been afebrile for 48 hours. This is something that comes up not just on the boards, but actually you'll see in clinical practice. I remember the first time I saw a kiddo with Kawasaki's, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. But it is really important just to be cognizant of the diagnostic criteria, as well as have a good differential if you have a kid that you suspect Kawasaki's disease. Okay, thanks for checking in and listening to 
the pediatrician in training podcast today. Uh, we really appreciate your input. If you have any questions, suggestions for podcasts or comments, please feel free to email at amandamerildave at gmail.com. This has been a pediatrician in training.